0: Welcome to the HEAL podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Before we get started today, I wanted to talk to you about Dr. Bill Rawls. He has written one of my favorite Lyme books, Unlocking Lyme. He's an MD whose life was upended because of Lyme. From this experience, he had to change his practice and figured out how to heal himself. Dr. Rawls has created his own line of herbal supplements that support the immune system as a Lyme warrior. He offers a survey on his website to help determine which supplements you need. Go to Lyme360.com forward slash Dr. Rawls, which is D-R-R-A-W-L-S, to learn more about these amazing herbal protocols, I've been using. Hi, welcome back to the Heal Podcast. This is Mimi McLean from blind 360 And today we have another author on Nicole Bell, and she's a mom and successful entrepreneur who's advanced her professional career as an engineer and program manager. She became an executive in a fast growing medical device company where she built a world class team in surgical robotics. But in 2017, Nicole's husband was diagnosed with a devastating disease. And she was forced into her most challenging roles, yet caregiver and medical proxy. Unsatisfied with the doctor's answers, Nicole set out on a journey using her engineering mindset to search for the root causes of her husband's illness. She eventually found them and sought treatment, a process that changed her and her entire view of modern medicine. Her book, What Lurks in the Woods, describes their journey, and it releases on October 23rd. To get my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to lime 360com forward slash detox checklist. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time and I'm excited for your book to come out in October, at the end of October, or actually it's only like a week away, What Lurks in the Woods. So thank you so much for coming on. Great, right. thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, I would love to just start out with like why you decided to kind of take a pause from your very successful career to focus on Lyme and and actually write a book.
1: Yeah, I mean, my husband's illness was really just such chaos. You know, it started off he had dementia and memory issues. And we had young children and everything in my life was kind of turned upside down. And I'm an engineer, I'm a program manager, and I like everything to be in their nice little places. And after kind of the worst of our storm was over, I couldn't just go back to what I was doing. I had to process it. I had to learn from it. I had to figure out the lessons that had been, you know, in front of me. And I just didn't have the capability or the time to really understand because everything I thought I knew was really flipped upside down. And so it really started, I mean, writing started off as a process and a, like a thing for me to basically heal and understand. And then somewhere along the way, I realized that it could help others as well. And then it took on even more meaning.
0: Mm -hmm. And your husband's Lyme diagnosis was how long ago? So, I mean, just like all other
1: Lyme um, patients, it's complicated. So I'd mm-hmm. say his initial, when we first started realizing that there was something wrong was in 2016, I'd say he presented with a lot of other issues before that, which hindsight kind of <laughs> revealed, but his first before 2016, a lot of what I was experiencing or noticing in him was mood swings, depression. He was drinking a lot. He had a lot of anger issues and, you know, you pass them off as other things. We had young children. I thought it was the stress of life and he was unhappy because he had kind of semi-retired and, you know, you just think it's other things. But then in 2016, he started forgetting things. He would forget the code to the house. He would forget the time to pick up the kids And he was the smartest person I ever met. And so it was really uncharacteristic. And so that was when I started realizing that something was wrong. And honestly, Lyme was my first thought because he was a hunter. He was always in the woods. He did all the landscaping around our house. I mean, I had pulled many ticks off of him, although he never had a fever or a rash or anything that indicated acute Lyme. And we started off with an integrative practitioner. I didn't even bother to go with traditional medicine and she had him tested for a whole host of things. And his Lyme test, his Western blot was negative and the rest of his blood work looked okay. And she just suggested we go to a neurologist. And that was when our journey really began in that area. And he, in the beginning of 2017, He received a diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's and his PET scan revealed that he had late stage disease, which was shocking because I knew he was having issues, but when he was doing some of the diagnostic tests, I mean, his, he was a a computer engineer, electrical engineer, uh, he couldn't even do like basic pattern matching, you know, type exercises. And so I was floored by how bad that it really was without noticing or, you know, something is wrong, but you just don't know the extent of it. And I was convinced that there was a root cause because he had no genetic predisposition. I had him tested with the biggest Alzheimer panel that I could find and he had no disposition and he was declining really quickly. And so I went to neurologist after neurologist after neurologist with no answers. I mean, I even had him tested for things like, Syphilis and HIV. I mean, talk mm-hmm. about not knowing which answer you actually want, right? Right. <laughs> and, uh, but everything was quote unquote normal, right? With everything that came back. And they just gave us the prescription for Aricept and, you know, and then Nemenda, and then tried, you know, sent us on our merry way. And I had almost given up. But then at the end of 2017, my brother called me and he had been having his own battle. His wife had been sick for years. And they finally figured out what was going on. And it turns out she was suffering from Lyme and several co-infections. And so my brother's a doctor and he's, he loves to research. And so he was like, you know, neck deep in research. And he called and was like, you know, Nick, I'm convinced that this is what's going on with Russ. And, you know, I was like, well, I had him tested. And then we talked about how poor the tests were. And he convinced me to get him retested. Looking instead of looking at the immune response with antibodies, looking at a PCR based assay, looking for the actual organisms. And sure enough, he tested positive for Borrelia and Bartonella. Which test is that? That was DNA connections. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: and that was kind of when our whole journey began. You know, it's interesting because you bring to light, like, I think Alzheimer's has just skyrocketed and you can't really blame genetics. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. You know, there's like, they say aluminum, the amount of aluminum that's around our day-to-day life, even in, in vaccines or whatever is they say affecting our Alzheimer's. But yeah. when I got my treatment from my doctor, who's a neurologist and he, he treats a lot of Alzheimer's and he said he tests every single one of his patients and a hundred percent of them had Lyme and they didn't even know it.
1: Yeah. I so, believe it.
0: Yeah. And I think like people don't talk about it enough, like ALS, Alzheimer's, they're all, I think is the root cause, maybe the beginning of like untreated Lyme for, for a long time. It goes past the blood brain barrier, right? And just kind of sits in your brain because that's where it can kind of hide out without getting affected by antibiotics or herbs that you might be trying to use to get at the Lyme. Um, that's what I found. And so tell us a little bit about your book. Is it a memoir? Is it? Yeah.
1: Before I go there, I just would say with the link between Alzheimer's and Lyme, that's one thing that I really wrestled with throughout our journey was trying to understand, you know, as I said, I'm an engineer, so I like to put things in buckets, right? Was it Alzheimer's? Was it Lyme? But I really came to believe it's Alzheimer's caused by Lyme. And if you look at the Alzheimer's research, the infection hypothesis, and the fact that there's an infection like Lyme or other types of uh, bacteria or viruses are behind it is starting to really get a lot more traction, which is, I think it's time it's time. Cause the whole amyloid beta hypothesis is just been a colossal failure with all of the treatments. And so I'm excited to see people starting to make the link. And I hope that, you know, our story can help. And getting yes. people pro-
0: properly diagnosed is probably yeah. essential because yeah. then you can save months, years off of people kind of just Bopping around looking for an answer.
1: Yeah, but to your question on the book, it's really a memoir. I mean, I wanted to share our journey and our story, and I wanted to record it for me and for the kids, just to kind of understand what had happened and and what we had been through, and, and then, like I said, share it with other folks. And but it's also a journey of learning. I really believe in root cause. I'm a my. Previous job was actually in surgical robotics. And so I worked on very complex systems. And so you have a root cause. If there's a problem, if a a robotic arm is shaking, you know, you try and figure out what the root cause is. You don't just like slap a weight on it and expect the whole problem to go away. And that's really what people are doing in chronic illness, they just try and treat the symptoms. And Mm -hmm. so That whole journey of learning and trying to understand what was going on, and then dealing with all the craziness online and in the research about whether chronic Lyme exists or doesn't exist. You know, that was as an engineer trying to parse through that. I just tried to catalog that journey and how difficult it is as a caregiver, and then also as much as I could from Russ's perspective and being ill.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's really raw. I mean, I I didn't hold anything back. I wrote it for me and didn't really change anything when uh, it became time to share it with others. And hopefully that will help people connect with the story and hopefully share it so that they can learn from it.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I know you said that your husband is obviously not doing well, which I'm really sorry about. And it's got to be very hard for your family. Are there lessons like that you can look back on that maybe you could share to people who are at the beginning of your journey that you kind of wish you knew from the beginning that maybe would have changed the outcome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really just not rationalizing away symptoms. I think as a society, we've gotten to be okay with saying it's, you know, yeah, depression and anxiety and mood swings and maybe some aches and pains and other things are just part of life or part of getting older. And I had so many stories that I told myself about what was happening to him. And it wasn't until it got really bad that I started realizing, okay, this is more than just him being unhappy or the stress of the kids or the stress of not working. And so, you know, hindsight is 2020. And I saw even little things like, so, you know, as I said, we started our journey in 2016 I mean, he had a panic attack back in 2009, I believe. And so oh, wow. stuff like, like a panic attack out of nowhere. And you know, we went to the cardiologist and they said, everything is fine, and but it wasn't fine. And it's like, well, was that an early symptom? Was that something that we could have really dug into and, and found a better answer? And then obviously the other key lesson is, is just how horrible the diagnostics are in traditional medicine and really relying upon... The standard two tier testing to diagnose Lyme is just ridiculous. And a lot of people get missed. And even though we were relatively late at that point, it would have been 15 months sooner, which when your brain is essentially on fire, that 15 months could be the, the difference between life and death. I mean, honestly. So I've taken away from it. I really try and be in tune with my body and what's going on and trying to understand what things make me feel better and feel worse and really listening to my body a lot more and not trying to rationalize away symptoms. But I just don't think that's standard. I don't think most people will, you know, we have so many things going on that it's really difficult to to take a hard look at things and, and try and figure out what's going on.
0: Well, you bring up a good point because I feel like, you know, the medical community, you kind of think of Lyme as like last resort. And it yeah. almost like should be first thing. You know, like, you know, I was talking earlier with another guest who wrote a book and she was saying how, like, it almost should be part of like, even when you're pregnant, a part of the process that you get screened for, because it could be the difference of your child being born with, you know, lifelong illnesses or autism where you could treat when they're in utero that could prevent it from, you know, having these illnesses. And so the other, other point is too, is like for a lot of teens that are having mental illness right now, like you mentioned depression. And so a lot of that could be from Lyme, bacteria, some other parasite, something else besides just a mental, like get to the root cause of what's happening, Yes, you know, and testing that. And, you know, Dr. Baku, I've had on my podcast before too. That's what his whole book is about is he pretty primarily just treats teenagers and teenagers that have some kind of a mental illness or they're showing up that way. And he doesn't believe they actually have it. It, it. He thinks it's from, like I mentioned, some kind of a bacteria or a virus that's attributing to their anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts. And so you do bring up a good thought. It's like, let's like almost put it on the forefront. Like that should be one of the first five things you think of Yeah. when, when we're dealing with that or any of these homes that you go to that, you know, people are being sent to for mental health. Like you should be screening everybody there. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I have to say that one of my major takeaways from the whole experience is how linked our biochemistry and infection is with mental illness. Because, I mean, my husband was an engineer. He was the most logical and just very straightforward and, and calm person. And he literally went insane as part of the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hallucinating. I mean, part of the, obviously the what lurks in the woods is a you know, a reference to ticks and Lyme, but also because he thought people were living in my backyard in the woods trying to kill us. You know, he Mm. thought that there were snipers and all sorts of things. One time during a hurricane, he thought that there were, was a man swinging from the trees with a machine gun. I mean, stuff you can't even make up, right? Mm -hmm. And so watching that transition really just gave me so much empathy for mental illness. And, how what's going on in your brain and the biochemistry and infection can have an impact. So I absolutely agree. And as I'm kind of getting entrenched in the community, I hear more and more stories of people with schizophrenia or other Mm -hmm. types of disease that are diagnosed with either Lyme or Bartonella. And it's way more prevalent than people believe, but nobody's screening for it. And that's, that's a huge problem. And I think it's, something that needs to be addressed. So I couldn't
0: agree more. Yeah. I mean, even like you look at like the suicide rates, just obviously because of COVID, but like it would be an interesting thing if like, you know, these suicide, if you actually were screening for these people who have committed suicide, like if they do have something, like if it's Lyme or the other big thing is mold. Mold is a yeah. huge factor that drives mental health yeah. illnesses. You know, it's like that schizophrenia. That's what my one doctor said. You know, it, it's major. And did your husband, have you, did you ever look into the mold piece of it?
1: Yeah, we've tested the house and that was not, I don't believe that that was a major factor in his Mm -hmm. case. I I do think one thing that I haven't really mentioned that was a contributor's case was heavy metals. He had really Mm -hmm. elevated levels of both lead and mercury. And both of those are associated with Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. So I think that was another Confounding factor in his case, and one of the reasons why, at least I contribute that he didn't get better with some of the treatment.
0: Yeah, and do, and do you think by the time they found it, it was too late to do kind of the chelation and the typical?
1: Well, we did chelation. We did chelation, both natural and chemical chelation. And in some cases, I honestly think that it made it worse. I mean, after yeah. he after some of his chelation treatments was when the he the hallucinations really started, and he would get really agitated, and so. I think it was just, it's hard to tell there was so much going on and his disease was so entrenched that it was really difficult to say, you know, it was this one thing or this other thing. But I definitely think that the compilation of factors was really critical. And the fact that we just got
0: started late, you know? Yeah. I mean, my doctor was always kind of attributed the disease. He's like, it's kind of like termites. He's like, you could either have active termites and you're trying to go after them, but even after you they're gone and you've killed them. And then you got to start working and looking at what damage they've caused in your home, in your house, you know, and, and kind of see, you know, what they've burrowed into and what permanent damage that can't be erased. And that's kind of like the analogy he used, which I thought was pretty accurate, you know, because at some point it, it may be just too far along. And so what, what is your, like, goal going forward, once you release it in October 23rd, do you can see yourself continuing in this Lyme world doing th- something or, or is your book kind of it?
1: No, I think I definitely have now a calling to, to figure out how to help. So the book in my mind is really that first step in sharing our story and helping others. But I've worked in the medical industry. I've been in medical diagnostics and medical devices for the last 15 years And it feels like I need to use those skills to try and help, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to go back. I've been asked to go back to, you know, my previous job. I've been asked to, you know, do lots of fun startups and other things that have come my way. And I just can't get excited about it anymore. There's just, I've, I've been exposed to all the challenges and the problems in chronic illness, Lyme disease, Alzheimer's. And I feel like there's just so many needs there, whether it's in tracking, monitoring, diagnostics, there's lots of things I'd like to help in and where that shakes out. I don't really know, but I know that I can't just go back to what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I didn't love it, but it's just kind of a calling that I've been recruited for. <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. you don't I've noticed with most people with Lyme, it, you don't choose it, it chooses you and I feel that now.
0: No, true. Well, Nicole, I wish you the best of luck with your book and you know, I pray for your your family and your husband. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you wish to cover? I think that I already touched on the the mental illness
1: piece. I think that's a huge one. I think the other thing that I would say is the stress of caregiving in this environment is just, is really tough. And I think, you know, there needs to be more tools and techniques for people to be able to manage that process. I mean, I was not only managing Russ's illness, but I was also working and I was managing two young children. I mean, at the time, When his disease was the worst, they were, you know, four and seven, five and eight. Mm -hmm. And it was just overwhelming. I mean, I consider myself a pretty competent person, but I was losing my mind. It's so (laughs) hard. And so I think, you know, there's the challenge of going through it, and there's a challenge of caregiving. And there's just it's so devastating how this disease can be so misunderstood. And Really, the traditional medicine is really not making any strides to help and to get it into the the right buckets, into the right diagnostics, and the right the right capabilities. So, I think it's just spreading the word. A lot of people don't read Lyme books unless they've been impacted by Lyme, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm hoping that my book, because it's more of a personal story that that can actually be for people that are maybe outside the fringe of Lyme disease or other chronic illness and it can help people understand and be empathetic to the plight of what they're going through because so many people just don't understand what it's like and they say they want to help but they and they say they understand but they really don't and so i'm hoping that my story and our story can really help bridge that gap a little bit and then also make people aware when they do have symptoms, you know, Hey, this is something that we can really, you know, there's an answer to. And if I go and get it checked out sooner then I, I really can
0: get well and not just have to live with my symptoms, you know, in perpetuity. It's true. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time and I hope, you know, your book gets into the hands of many so they can build awareness about Lyme and hopefully bring on change and more diagnostics and more treatments to help more people. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on and I'm so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week if you want to learn how I detox and you want to check out my Detox for Lime checklist, go to lime360.com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at Lime 360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.